Are you looking for authority building content, a way to have immediate sales conversations with your ideal prospects, and have it all done for you? A Media Leads Sales Podcast may be the answer. Go to medialeadsco.com to find out more. On today's show, strategy plus action equals the keys to launching a viable startup. It's time to think bigger and make bold moves to create the life and business you were meant for. We're here to give you the latest in marketing strategies and the confidence to put them into action. We bring you hardworking entrepreneurs starting from scratch and visionary leaders of cutting edge companies looking to scale. You have a front row seat as we guide these business owners to a path of massive growth through customized marketing approaches and creative sales initiatives. Welcome to Strategy and Action. Here are your hosts, Jason Croft and Jonathan King. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode two of Strategy and Action with your hosts, Jason Croft and Jonathan King. What's going on? Hello, hello. Oh man, this is this is fun. This is another solo episode that, that I did for the for interview, good friend of mine, John Selzer. Um, but I know you've had a chance to listen to it as well. And, you know, John is just, he, he just does an amazing job getting in there with startups of all kinds. And he's, you know, he's covered, he's run the gamut, right, of corporate life, um, startup life of his own um, and helping so many others. Um, and like you and I operate, he does all of this with this, um, how can I help? you know, attitude. Exactly. I've personally watched him, you know, probably hundreds of times now and uh, Tuesday morning meetings that, that we would always have, um, do this with other startups. Um, and I, I'm curious to, to, to kind of get your feedback a little bit on what he's put together, just his approach to, to helping startups. Well, yeah. One of the biggest things that just stands out is if, if you can take, uh, you know, almost turn turn his background or his resume into into a film. You'll see how diverse it is and how how many different things he he's done from Nestle to to Alcon. I think he his his entire career he was preparing himself to be able to help at the highest level help these startups. You yeah. know, when you are are working at certain levels and and seeing. Uh, and just experiencing different things, you're going to be prepared uh, to help people that haven't faced those challenges yet. And John does that at a at a very high level. Yeah, absolutely. So, with without um, further yapping from us, I want to get right to the to the interview. Um, I think you're going to be really impressed with John Selzer. Definitely, you know, reach out to him after you've you've heard this and, and connect. But let's get to it with John Selzer. <laughs> I'm excited to bring you John Selzer to the show today. John is truly the embodiment of his LinkedIn headline, helping companies and founders realize their vision. While broad in scope, that description matches what's at the heart of everything John does. He's built a consulting firm, Septariat, around this mission. He's an executive volunteer for the Prison Entrepreneurship Program to extend that mission to those who wouldn't otherwise have access. And I've watched him live that mission at least 100 times on Tuesday mornings, helping both new and seasoned entrepreneurs get past a hurdle in their business. 
somehow he has time to write a great blog as well that ties together the music we all love and key principles at persistentbeat.com. And last but not least, when you need sarcastic comments thrown into any public gathering, this is the guy to call. <laughs> Welcome to the show, John Selzer. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. This is, this is awesome. I need to have you follow me around and introduce me for everything because that was extraordinary <laughs> and I feel really awesome about myself right now. So thank you. Perfect. That was the whole reason for the show. Show's done. You can go now. <laughs> All right. We're good. Thanks so much. Let's wrap yeah. it and uh, tune in next week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I love this. Um, obviously, you and I have known each other for years now and yeah. I'm, I'm always so impressed with with the help and the wisdom and the insights that you give on those Tuesday mornings, right? And really help people out who, who come to, um, come to the meeting and just they're struggling with this or that. And, and we usually find a way for them to, to either walk away with some answers or, or, or an introduction to somebody who's going to. And so yeah, I really want a powerful group. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I really wanted to, to have you on here to, to specifically dive in, um, to you know, to these keys to launching a viable startup, I think I think there's a lot of um, business basics that that get missed um, for a lot of startups, and um, they could definitely benefit from a from a lot of your background. And, and and real real quick, I mean, you spent plenty of time on on the corporate side of things, right? Like you know, yeah, probably too long. <laughs> <laughs> right, five industries, two continents. Like I I, I was reading that in in, in your uh, LinkedIn bio as well. I love that. Um, and so you, you spent a lot of time in there. So what's, what's a little bit of your background with the corporate side of things? Yeah, super, super high level. Most of my background on the corporate side, I did just about everything one can do in finance. I uh, had roles in investor relations, strategy operations, have twice been a COO. Um, so we really cover a lot of different areas professionally. And then, as you noted, uh, I've had the benefit of working in several industries. So kind of understand the nuances of how different business segments work, small company versus large. So now on the startup side, looking towards who's my customer and thinking and understanding who am I selling to, I probably work for that type of company. So know how to navigate through into uh, getting your story heard to the right person and hopefully lead to the outcome you're looking for. And that is make a sale, build a real company, exit and I don't know, buy your own private island. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm looking for, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At least the mountains. I'll invite you over to mine. How about that? Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so, you know, so now you do play heavily in that, in that startup, startup space. And so what was that first move? How'd you land there? And what's been the, the draw to, to, to really stay in that startup space? Yeah, sure. So if I look back in kind of my whole life, I've been what I would say is a repressed entrepreneur. Uh, no longer am I repressed. I'm, I'm actively pursuing it. But for a lot of time, I always went for that safe corporate job, the security of, of salary benefits, and then later having the golden handcuffs of unvested equity and retention grants and things like that. It was hard to walk away. But I'd always had the entrepreneurial passion and vision and, and wanting to pursue it, but the timing never seemed right. And so, I don't know, about five years ago, I finally decided to step out. That's when I formed Septariat. And like any good startup founder, you have kind of your near-term vision, mid and long-term, and I'm still working on building towards that long-term vision and, and hopefully can get there someday. And what, what is that, what is that longer term? What is that? Yeah, so if I look currently, a lot of the focus when I launched was 
on some of my own ideas and, and vetting them and hopefully bringing those to market. And um, through that, began to meet and interact with startup founders and realized I really enjoyed helping others figure out their own product or product market fit, go to the market, um, making introductions, leveraging my connections. So sort of organically built the consulting and advisory side out of that. But through Big DOCC, I met co-founders and we launched a tech startup in 2015, um, had some early success, raised a little bit of money, but it, like many startups, didn't come to fruition like we had hoped. So from that comes a lot of valuable lessons and I don't know, scars, <laughs> emotional <laughs> sure. and otherwise, that you can then share with others and help them, um, you know, keep on track and, and hopefully uh, realize that vision. That's great. I, yeah. I, and then longer term, I guess I should actually answer your question. Yeah, it's yeah, looking yeah. at creating kind of um, almost more a, a slight twist on what I would call an incubator of so many founders are really strong in their lane. They're subject matter experts. They know the problem that they're solving intimately, but they don't have some of the basic skills that are necessary to actually build a company around that solution. And some of those things, some of those skills aren't necessarily sexy. And so it's not building a product. It's not UI, UX. It's not things that are uh, forefront customer facing. A lot of times it's the back office type stuff that isn't done correctly that then can become a reason a company can't get funded or they're not sustainable and they can't survive long term. So the idea being Septarius, um, fostering the ideas and the founders, the visionary, but then providing a lot of the back office, back end stuff that is critical to long term success and is pretty common regardless of industry, you know, finance is finance, accounting, accounting, all of the rules of law apply, whether you're a high-tech blockchain-based company or you're a, a consumer-facing product, and, and be able to provide some of that support through Septariat for uh, companies that we are, are working with. Oh, yeah. That's... That's so critical. And that's, those are some of the things I want to touch on today on, on really getting into some of those specifics. Some of them, some yeah, of them, sure. like you say, which, you know, aren't the, the, the sexy make the headlines, you know, why we get into this kind of things that have to get taken care of and you either get good at them or you outsource them to something, you know, like you're talking about mm -hmm. or, or finding somebody for that. Um, and, and to, I, I think too many of us, you know, bury our heads with that stuff and kind of like we want to look the other way, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, sure. Eh, it, it'll be fine. Sometimes it's not fun or it's hard or you learn things that you don't want to learn about yourself or your company when you look in those areas and you realize, hey, this might not be a sustainable business. Yeah, and then I think, I think even s some folks have, um, have the, the misconception too that let me just go build this thing and then, then an investor will we'll figure out that kind of stuff. <laughs> right? Yeah. But investors want you to have a plan or have it figured out beforehand. So I think you're right. A lot of times then that becomes the mismatch is people watch a couple episodes of shark tank. You know, they read the Steve jobs book and think I got this figured out, but don't yeah. realize because no one talks about some of the background type decisions that need to be made. They don't talk about it. So they get ignored and you only learn about it when it's too late. Right. Or, and, and if, and of those that are, are talking about it, we're not tuning in because eh, that's not, that's not really super interesting. <laughs> right. 
Um, yeah, exactly. That's not going to land you on the, the cover of uh, TechCrunch or, or Fast Company. Right, exactly. This guy had his CRM completely in order. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He knew from day one to form a Delaware C Corp. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, he kept his cap table clean. <laughs> right. <laughs> Coming at you now. Uh, so, yeah. I, I so, give me some of the so, – so, let's – I, I know we're going we're gonna to dig deeper on some of these stuff, but, but give me a couple of, um, so what are these, these keys? Like someone, someone does have, let's assume that the idea is wonderful. And, and yeah. we, we all know that, you know, that's almost, I mean, that's a given. Like it's gotta, there's got to be something, something there. Um, and too many, too many people stop there. Like, hey, I've got amazing ideas. Awesome. What are you going to do with them, right? Um, the whole point of this show, right, is to, is to really just, yeah. not just the, the, the idea part of this, but, but what actions are you going to take? So, so walk me through some, some of that high-level advice right now on, hey, someone's got this idea. They, they want to hit the ground running. What are some of those key factors that, that you're seeing that, that really help, help a startup become something? Yeah, sure. Boy, that's a real easy softball question. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> um, so I, I think a lot of it is before anyone forms a company and, and launches their solution to a problem, it really is kind of the market validation, seeking that product market fit and validating with your target customer, not just your group of buddies that you go to your friends over a beer and everyone thinks that, hey, this is a great idea. You're going to be the next Mark, Mark Zuckerberg and you're going to be rich. But really thinking about the um, market need for the product or service that you're delivering and then how that product or service is viewed by your potential customer. Because I think a lot of times folks get so focused on their solution and they're in love with their solution and the problem that they're solving, they don't think about how it sounds to someone who doesn't have that same knowledge base either of the industry, that segment, or your company, and lean a little too heavily on the romance of, hey, I'm building or I built this great thing, everyone's going to buy it without thinking, why? And how do I get them first to know about it and then want to purchase it from me? Uh, and then how to build a company about that uh, or around that, excuse me, in the short term, kind of midterm. And then what's your long-term vision? Right. And, and I think, I, I think also that that getting into you know it, it's a, it's a it's a sweet spot, right? Of finding um, the the next big thing, this new idea, the, the the blue ocean kind of thing that 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 we kind of sure, for, but not too new, not too, so unfamiliar that these folks that you want to go put this in front of can't can't hold on to anything. There's nothing tangible about it that they, that, that they can relate to. So they don't even know they need it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't always have to be the big blue ocean visionary, hey, I'm going to change the world. It can be something small and incremental that even the platform that we're using, Zoom, you know, it's, it's pretty cool in what it can accomplish, but it's not that complicated. You know, it is a simple tool that can be leveraged in multiple ways. I doubt that they sat out uh, on day one, thinking that this is uh, something that will revolutionize and change the world. No, it's a conferencing tool that's used by multiple audiences. Hey, that's a pretty good product market fit. Right. And then, yeah, so, so how can I 
find, you know, what's, what's that piece that's missing in Zoom that veterinarians need, right? Like what's, sure. yeah. build something, you know, around there. I think that's, I think that's a great, great point. And so with that, with that uh, market validation as being that, that kind of first step, which I know we, we talk about so many times with folks of like, have <laughs> you tested this thing? Do you know, does anybody really yeah. want it? Um, what's, what's someone other than your best friend or your spouse right. think that you're the, the one to do this, or this is a great idea. Yeah. Which is uh, also another fantastic distinction of, you know, is the idea great? Yes. <laughs> do the clients want it. Yes. Do they yeah. want it from you? Well, maybe. Um, so that, that's yeah, who one. knows, but, but what is, What's the best way to go about that, that market validation, sort of the simplest, easiest, you know, day one sort of steps? Yeah, so it's kind of that lean methodology approach is build the smallest version of your product or service that you can as inexpensively as possible, even if what you've done is thrown together a couple screens in a um, whiteboarding or, or um, simulation uh, tool to where if it does this, what does that do for you and put it in front of your customers and start talking mm -hmm. to them and get feedback and don't just ask questions that are yes or no. You want feedback because a lot of times what you think your customer may want or need or what they'll use and how they'll use it can be wildly different than your assumptions. And it's a lot easier, more effective, and you'll save a ton of money rather than building a solution based on a hypothesis drop $50,000, $100,000 to build an app or some type of SaaS product and put it out there and then have your customer tell you. It's pretty easy to do that um, from the beginning or it's more wise and prudent to do that at the beginning and kind of build your product and evolve into what your customers are asking for and better yet, what they'll pay you for. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think another... Another hang, and this applies to, you know, sort of the startups, the tech startups, but, but really any, any business. I know I've found myself, uh, you know, stuck in this place before of, um, I've got the idea. I, I want to validate it, but I, but I, you know, I believe in that, um, I want, you know, finding the right niche, defining your ideal client, but, but I think you can get hung up in that for too long, um, by trying to guess. So this is another aspect of that market validation to where you want to, um, just pick one. I got, just take a guess yeah. right? and just start asking, <laughs> start having those conversations. Yeah. Cause I, I think if you do come too open-ended, it can just become a hot mess and you won't get anything out of that interaction. So certainly you want to give them something concrete to respond to. Um, but don't make it so rigid based on your own assumptions, have some fluidity. And then if there is a bit of a hesitation or a question or resistance, ask why and learn what would change this interaction. What would turn this into a product or service that, that you or your company would consume? Right. Exactly. So, so they, they, they get their idea validated. Um, th this is, this is a real thing. Next steps. What's what, where are they going from there? Yeah. So when, once you've kind of gone through and, and you realize, Hey, I've got a solid idea. I've got something that can be turned into a marketable product or service. Now you have to start laying out your roadmap. What's your go-to-market strategy? And, and really think in terms of go-to-market with the resources I have available. So mm -hmm. if you're self-funding, what's your budget and what is the maximum you can accomplish to create a sellable end product at the 
end of that investment that you then can generate customers, which then lead to perhaps external fundraising or self-funding from your revenue. You've really got to think through the constraints of what's known and in front of you so that you maintain better control of your own destiny. Yeah. If you say, I've got to raise X hundreds of thousands of dollars to even build my product to test a hypothesis, it's really hard to get funded. So what right. can you do to scale a version of that idea down into something demonstrable that either can be shown to get that investment or better yet is a version of your product that you can sell today and, and show that product market fit with the validation of even the smallest amount of recurring revenue, someone's willing to pay you for it means when it gets bigger and better, they're most likely going to be willing to pay you more for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes that may mean, um, you know, if you're, if you're trying to build a platform, some, you know, something tech-based, maybe you sell the service. Maybe you, you, you find out that like that's the fit and you can, you know, do some of these unscalable things in the beginning to, to, to get that proof and to get, you know, dollars in the door. Um, and then you start building the automation aspects of it and the technology aspects of it once you, you, you've proved that out. Absolutely. And, and that you hit on the right word, scalable. Your first version doesn't necessarily have to be scalable. It's great if it can be, but so many times it's the create the interface for your customer that they input information into a website or, or an app. If Even if you're doing everything mechanically on the back, you're a mechanical Turk, the output to them, they're, ha they're satisfied if you meet your, the promise of your product. If you fulfill that expectation, it doesn't have to be automated and scalable. That can come once you've built the validation and you know, here's exactly what I need to construct to satisfy and then scale based on that, that uh, total addressable market and the opportunity set in front of you. Yeah. And I, I, I love this. These are two just phenomenal starting points that, and I know we're, you know, speaking so much in generalities here for, for <laughs> folks, you know, cause pretty high level. Sure. Certainly. But at the same time, we, and we've seen it over and over again, like these are two high level basic things that get missed over and over and over again. So I want to sort of skip past that, you know, the, again, because we're not sitting here with, you know, XYZ company doing this exact thing and we're building out the idea for them for this, but, but someone who's gone through those steps, they're, they're away and running and now they, they do feel like, okay, it's time to start talking to investors. What are some of those, those key components that once again, people usually miss, I, I think, you know, first and foremost is answering the question, do I really need investors? Um, but then yeah. also, you know, when you're going to go approach some, you know, we, we see, I, I know we see people a lot of times with just, again, like they've only seen Shark Tank, right? And they just think it's, <laughs> that, like, that's their only point of reference. Yeah, it's super right? easy. Right. In, in four or five minutes, standing in front of a group of people, I'll talk about my company, they'll fight over it, and I'll walk out of there with my funding in five minutes. <laughs> Exactly. So, so it's good TV, but it's not real life. Right, right. What are a couple of those things that, that people need to be considering at this point? Yeah, sure. So I, I think starting at the very beginning, uh, why do I need to raise money? And if it is 
um, to, to scale or to lean into an opportunity you've identified, that's great. Think of how much money you would need to accomplish milestones and be specific in outcome of what someone will get or how that money will turn into something tangible, not necessarily let me give you an accounting reconciliation of how it's going to be spent, you know, 100000 on hiring more engineers and this and that. That's the how you do it. The why is really what the investor is most interested in. So thinking about how you construct that story uh, when you're asking for money, because, and this may sound a little pessimistic, but investors say no more often than they say yes. So you really have to focus on how do I get them to a yes? How do I get them as excited about my opportunity, my product or service, my team as we are that they feel I would miss something if I'm not participating, I'm not investing, and I'm not bringing in my peers to complete a round? Um, you've really got to think through who your audience is and what they need to hear. Don't, don't give them a reason to say no, because no is easy for them. They say yeah. it hundreds or thousands of times a year. It's safer, yeah. Sure. Well, and sometimes it's the smallest little detail that to you may seem insignificant, but if someone has seen multiple pitches in a day or a week or they're getting pitch decks all the time, careless things like even font is sizing and, and uh, font utilization from, from page to page can make a difference because, hmm, well, that's a negative. Well, and then I see here there's a grammatical error. Boy, this slide doesn't really make sense in the context. You know what? I just, I'm not interested. I'm moving on. I have a lot more promising companies on my horizon. So you may fall out in the cycle for something that is fairly small, but you become an outlier when you don't pay attention to detail. You don't narrate that pitch or that deck specifically to that audience of what do they need to hear to get to a second meeting. Yeah, that's and then a third meeting, and then hopefully bring you onto my cap table. Well, yeah, that's really interesting too because that's you know that's that's an approach, um, you know, just in in the in the sales cycle, right? Like your your those micro yeses, like a little yes, a little yes, a little, you know, mm -hmm. and it's. it's that's an interesting approach to take that thought process to um, these pitch sessions, whether it's throughout that session or just getting to that one more meeting, one more meeting. And then the, the exactly. opposite of what you, you mentioned too, is looking out for, you know, the micro no's like these little bitty things <laughs> are, oh, yeah. that's, a big deal, that's a big deal. And the thing is, it doesn't always have to be, negative uh, to have a negative impact. So if you think of the distribution curve, you really want to be in that fat part right in the middle. You don't want to be on a tail on either side, positive or negative, because let's say that you have really aggressive um, moonshot style revenue projections. Well, that's great if you could do it, but you're an outlier. So mentally, you're taking an investor to a place of skepticism rather than excitement to begin with, because most of what they see fits neatly in the fat part of that curve. And if you're an outlier, it, it increases the mental load. And also, if it is something that is so exceptional, then exceptional sometimes means doubt. Hey, you're a first-time founder. Do you really think you're going to have a billion dollars of sales in the first 18 months? Right. Okay. It's good to be excited about your company and have a belief in its potential, but think about that audience. And even if you are certain, hey, I could hit a billion in that time period, maybe you need to dial this forecast down to something that is 
attractive, but not necessarily an outlier because then it requires the extra explanation. And you're probably going to be on the defensive at that point instead of the excitement of, wow, this sounds like a really incredible opportunity. Right. That, yeah, that's so true because there's, so, there's, you know, we've, 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 we've each heard that so many times of, you know, but we're in part of the healthcare industry and the healthcare industry is, you know, a $40 trillion company. Yeah. If we only, <laughs> you know, capture 0.5% of that, then, you know, and like, yeah, they've heard of that. And then you're just like, that's a shutdown right there. And, and <laughs> total shutdown, especially if it's the, on all I need is 1%. Um, and this is huge. Sure, maybe that that is a true statement, but without the and here's how we get to one percent, or turning that around and saying and here's how we're going to capture X dollars or X share in this period of time, you're being specific and actionable. Not the you know let me do finger guns and like pew pew pew. All we need is one percent, and we're all rich. Right, because that's how I I pitch things all the time. Yeah, exactly. Finger guns are really important. You know, it, it, it exudes credibility and confidence. So yes. integrate them into your daily life for sure. Yeah. And th- this is, this is the point that um, I'm actually li- listening to the, the new Oren Claff uh, book, flip the script. Um, he's the author of, Oh Pitch yeah. Which is fantastic. Um, this new yeah. one's great as well. And, and he talks about that, like be your, um, like do their due diligence for them. Like go in and, and kind Absolutely. of with the data and bash your own numbers in front of them in your pitch. Like, you know, this is what yeah. we're projecting, but you know, the, you know, the likelihood of it, you know, but, but pitching that in a way that now they're, they're looking like, Oh, Oh, he's done. He's done. You know, the, the analysts in the room are going, Oh, he's done our, <laughs> our, our, our work for us. Okay. Let's, yeah. Let's listen. Or, in, in a way of, it's not just, you know, hyperbole, but in a way that's, that's, you know, your numbers, right? Absolutely. And, you know, one of my earlier posts on persistent beat uh, was called blacking out the friction. And it was about that very thing of, look, you know, certain points where you're going to get resistance or that someone may be skeptical, get in front of it and get in front Mm -hmm. of it early, especially in a pitch to an investor. Because like at the very beginning, if you don't sell the problem and the problem is not personal. Even if they know nothing about your space or your solution, they need to feel it and be interested in the solution. Otherwise, they may just be sitting there waiting to tell you why you're wrong, why they think you have a terrible product or service. They don't like your team, something. It's because of that approach to they get pitched all the time. So they've heard everything before you know this is a brand new category i only need one percent whatever they've heard it before so you've got to really take into consideration that audience and how those messages are received and you do that like you said by doing some due diligence what have they invested in before how does my product or service as an investment in their fund help their other companies they've invested in sell more scale faster something you come in with a little bit of self-awareness, but also the value that you can bring beyond just you give me money, I give you a 10x return in three to five years. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. I love it. So many, so many great points there. I know you and I can talk through this, this all day long. And I, and, and I encourage people though, you know, really Be a heck of a podcast, wouldn't it? Right, exactly. 40 hour podcast. Um, Yes, but, that's right. Everybody buckle up, make a sandwich and uh, right. put on your PJs, get comfortable because here we right. go. Because we like our voices. Uh, 
<laughs> but but really, I think I, I think what I wanted to to certainly demonstrate here was was both um, there. There's some some key things that everyone can use right at the beginning, and then even you know at later stages that um, so many people people miss um, that you know I haven't gone and pitched investors and. I hear this over and over because I've learned it from you. I've learned it from Raj. I've learned it from these, the, these other folks in the room um, that are so key that get missed so many times. So I wanted to bring those up, but any, um, you know, any specifics, of course, I mean, that's why you, you bring someone like John in to, to, to guide you and have that consulting session and figure those things out and, and where you're really, you know, missing the mark and where you're hitting on those. What's, and, Along those lines, what's the best way for people to, to reach out to you and find you out there? That's fantastic. So either through my website at septariat.com, that's S-E-P-T-A-R-A-I-A-T-E.com, <laughs> or send me an email at john at septariat.com. Perfect. Perfect. And you're around some of the socials, the LinkedIn's, the, the that kind of stuff. Yeah. So at Johnny Kirsch is my Twitter handle. And uh, that's an outlet for both startup things and just sarcasm in general. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn, John H. Belzer. Fantastic. All right. We got a couple of rapid fire questions here for you. Um, Latest book that really stood out for you. Wow. That's tough. I read so much, um, which also on Persistent Beat, I keep a reading list of everything that I've gone through. So my my bookshelf is just bursting into scenes. That's, <laughs> that's a really hard question to answer. But, you know, I think one that kind of stuck with me and one I knew I need to work on a little bit more is uh, Radical Candor by Kim Scott. So mm-hmm. the focus on being direct and supportive, not direct and negative, or defaulting to always being nice, and I don't want to hurt someone's feelings, but, you know, tactically addressing things in a way helps people grow, um, so it can be used in personal interactions, relationships, companies, with startups. I've adopted some of the techniques there on how to deliver some of the tougher messages early and identify some of those struggles in a, in a positive and constructive way. Oh, I love that because, because that's, that's a tough, a, a tough point for a lot of people. Like I, I'm somebody who's really comfortable with the tough conversation. I, I, um, I, I don't mind the confrontation, right? Be, it, because it's an efficiency thing. Like let's, let's just talk, sure. let's have this. I, that's, that's way easier to me than worrying about and thinking about this for the next six months and stuff. Let's have this conversation now and go through it. And, and plus, you know, people, people just trust you more on the other end when they know, even if they don't like it, they're getting yeah. real feelings. Um, but I think that like the book that you're talking about too goes into not just like, Oh, you should do that, but here's the best way to do it. Cause I'm sure I, I can learn better ways to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To stop being such a jerk. Cause you know, Jason, we've all wanted to talk to you about that. Exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is an intervention actually. Um, yeah. All right. One, one more here. Hustle and grind or go with the flow? 
Wow, I think it's a combination of the two. So hustle, I think, is a word that gets overused because so many times people will say, if I just work harder, if I just hustle and let me take some pictures and put them out on Instagram or Twitter to show you how hard I'm working, then everything will come together. I think if you are hustling and grinding intelligently and know when it's time to take a step back and either change tactic, go with the flow for a little bit, see where the tide takes you, then come back in with that knowledge and refined hustle and grind, then I think you're better. Love it. Totally agree. And and it's one of the it's one of the hardest things to quantify because you can't you can't tell anybody work this much, then stop, <laughs> figure yeah. out this, XYZ. It's 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 one of the, I mean it's one of the 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 fun things about business if you're if you're built to be that entrepreneur like I like uncertainty to an extent you know but but it is it's what you got to feel your way through it so much and work your ass off all the way you know <laughs> it's such a yeah and and that and, and you're you're right I mean you do have to work your ass off but you've also got to make sure that you're being efficient and so there are times that you need to take a break to tag out and let yourself just exist. I actually just wrote a post about this. My last one for Persistent Beat was about that very thing of the power of checking out and doing something that for you is not related to your company, your work, relationship, whatever. You can step out and take care of yourself because then when you find out when you come back in, boy, you're a lot more sharp. Things that were foggy become clear. And so it's important to not get caught up in the hustle and the grind and like I got to work these 20-hour days or I'm just not trying enough, but instead think of what is that optimum output for um, what you need to accomplish and knowing when you're getting to a point of your effectiveness is diminished that you need to take a little break, you know, go work out, jump on your bike, read a book, go see a movie, do something that allows your brain to reset so you can come back in more refreshed, refined and focused. Yeah. And I think, I think what goes along with that is, is embracing the silence sometimes, which I think, um, you know, so few of us, do as much, um, as maybe we used to, um, that I, I'm trying to, you know, we try to force our kids into at times, you know, phones down with this, but, but, uh, you know, very much myself as well. Right. Like, um, you know, even when I'm going for that bike ride, don't put the earbuds in today. You know what I mean? Like let your brain just cycle on its own and take in some stuff and process and, and I see what you did there cycle on its own. Um, oh, and, yeah. and you're right though. Cause hey, ah, you're clever. So it's sometimes those bike rides or whatever it is for you. For me, it is cycling. I get on my road bike and I'll go that sometimes in that time, because I'm not listening to music, I'm not doing anything. Your mind goes where it goes. And so some of those I've come back with, solutions to complex problems that have been running in the back of my head for quite some time because I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't focused on it. And everything in the background was able to sort it out and bring it to the foreground while you're, you know, sweating on the White Rock Trail in Dallas. <laughs> right. Awesome. John, thank you so much for being on. This is this has been fantastic as as I knew it would. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. This yeah, was a absolutely. lot of fun. I'm so glad John was on the show. I love his story. Love what he is doing uh, with just every day out there with startups, connecting with new people and getting them to the resources they need uh, with his company. 
I loved it as well, Jason. Um, and that's, you know, that's really why we have put this together. That's why we have the Facebook community. Uh, we've got over 500 John Selzers there, you know, looking to help you out. Um, and also people looking for help as well. So yep. jump into that community strategy and action on Facebook, a great group, um, bunch of connected people that are driven to help. So, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, if you haven't done so, I encourage you to subscribe here to the podcast and we'll see you next time on Strategy and Action. Thanks for listening. You've learned what's working on the front lines of business. Now it's time to get to work. Apply to the Strategy and Action group on Facebook to learn more and for a chance to connect with the guests on this show. Join us next time for Strategy and Action.